Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon, the show where we sit down with theatre practitioners and get a backstage look at the creative process. To start 2024 off with a bang, we've got a big episode lined up for you today. On today's episode, we sit down with Neil Horton, the president of the Armdale Drama and Musical Society, as we talk about 2023's program and what the society has lined up for 2024. This is one episode you will not want to miss, so sit back and relax as we get on with the show and peep behind the curtain. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon. My name's Nick, I'm your host, and welcome to 2024. I know it's a little bit late, but this is our first episode of 2024. And as so, I've got a very special guest with me, the president of the Armadale Drama and Musical Society, Neil Horton. Thank you very much. First off, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, Neil Horton, uh, my life story in two sound grabs. <laughs> when I'm not in working for the, well, I actually don't work, I volunteer for the theatre, don't I, in mm-hmm. the ADMS. My profession is a, a medical scientist and I manage the area for New South Wales Health Pathology in the pathology laboratories at the hospitals throughout New England. So that keeps me pretty busy most of the time and uh, when I've got nothing else to do, which is after those hours, I'm currently president of the Armadale Drama and Musical Society and have been for way too long in some <laughs> cases, no, since 2010 and on and off before that as well but it mainly from 2010 when we amalgamated the theatre arm of the Armadale Playhouse mm. which we'll talk about a bit later I'm sure mm-hmm. and the Armadale Musical Society to become the ADMS Armadale Drama and Musical Society as you said and since then they've seen fit to keep voting me in and I keep putting my hand up to keep doing it I love it of course I enjoy the whole part of it um, I can't dance for toffees but I love to sing I love to act I love to direct I love to see shows produced so I've done all of those things many times over and uh, to see new people come through like yourself and all the others that are are currently new generation coming through it's nice to see that we can at least hand the baton on to what you've established over the years and with new ideas new skills coming forward it's 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 very exciting for those of our listeners that may not understand what exactly does it mean to be president of the adms a little bit of extra curricular activity i suppose (laughs) apart from obviously trying to set the tone and the direction of the society with the members of course it's really just to make sure that we're doing good stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that's of a quality that we'll all be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're an amateur society and we have our limitations with money and resources and uh, skills. I mean, we're in a small town of what, 25 plus thousand people and the UNE where we are at the moment today, we rely on that to be a source of talent as well and in whatever area of theatre, whether it be technical or on stage or behind the scenes or even an admin, everything needs administration. There's Mm. productions that we do are not cheap and that's, you know, when you think about the latest professional musicals that are going on, you know, they're millions and millions and millions of dollars Mm. and uh, even over the last, well, the 20, 30 years that I've been involved, amateur societies have, they're production standards have skyrocketed Mm. and I know pretty much that in Tamworth for instance where they've got a wonderful capital theatre down there their productions are close to you know high hundred thousand dollars you know so to risk that amount of money on a volunteer organization Mm. luckily ours don't quite cost that much but you know it's it's about money management and Mm. the fact that you have to get an audience which we're very grateful for the Armadale community has been very strong to put on the shows that you want to put on and musicals are obviously the most expensive because they're 
usually expected to be bigger and brighter and <laughs> flashier. And so we would probably spend sixty to seventy thousand dollars over the course of that production. That would be costumes, set, sound, lighting, musicians. Nothing comes cheap nowadays, and that all adds up to quite a bit of money. And luckily, hopefully, we put on a great show. The audience want to see it, and we can recoup our costs. And it is about all recouping costs. It's about making money to put the next show on, mm. but also covering the costs you have in the immediate time. And then coming down the scale to the plays that we do each year or the, the small concerts, you know, they're obviously a lot less money and we don't expect the same size audience for those because they have a, a different audience or a different appeal to different people. But even plays like the one that currently directing uh, Ableton Ladies Potato Race, you know, I expect that to have a budget of around $10,000. We might not spend that much, but we still have to build the sets. We still have to hire or find the costumes in our own wardrobes mm-hmm. and publicity. I mean, yeah. I hadn't mentioned that before, but that's a concern considerable amount of money with the posters we put up, the displays we have on the flashy boards outside Coles, that sort of mm. thing. And, that, you know, people need to recoup the money for that. So it, they do add up, but hopefully uh, we get the audiences and we can keep paying it off and we can keep putting money back into the theatre. We want to do better each time with the technology that you can now get to attract good people to, to keep learning from. Speaking of sort of costs and all of that sort of that behind the scenes element, yep. over the last few years, the society has really shifted as you've taken on the playhouse, making it into its sort of own professional performance space. And mm. that, that's that been a whole other mindset, right? Well, that's right. I mean, as you're saying, the playhouse had been closed for 15 years. And because we weren't able to provide the necessary funds to build it up to a safe and fire approved building. Building, therefore get it registered as an approved performance space. So it was basically a meeting place for quite some time and the odd bit of rehearsal for the members, and that's all we were allowed to do. So sort of late teens, I suppose, 18, 215, 218, some of that, we started, we need to do something about this. And mm-hmm. so we started doing the hard yards as far as applying for grants and organising a plan, getting all those approved for what we felt would be a reasonable size theatre, modern and a nice place to come to and something that we could really call our home. So we were very lucky in that over time and all the hard work that the previous committees and the building committees did to gain a number of different grants. Mm. We started off very small and that was basically to relocate the toilets of all those things <laughs> so that we could gut it and make the stage and the auditorium area mm. and the backstage and the rehearsal area, that sort of stuff. And in some ways, COVID was a blessing because it allowed us to forcibly not do any shows, mm. but we also were able to concentrate and do most of this online as we weren't allowed to associate too much and take advantage of the big grants from the New South Wales government that we had. And we ended up with about $500,000 over a number of different grants. Mm. So that that enabled us to continue on with our plan after moving the toilets to make it a professional space. And obviously we then had fundraising for bits like all the seats, 101 Mm. seats. You know, they were $500 each. So, Mm. you know, you multiply that by 100 and it's tens of thousands of dollars. But also, you know, the the fence around the place to keep it secure Mm. and just kitting out the light lighting grids inside, the electricity, the massive air conditioning unit we had to have so that it's warm in winter and cold in summer. (laughs) It it ended up costing us about $750,000 in that ballpark. And we're still adding to it. As I said earlier, we're putting on our productions. Most of the time we don't lose money. We we make a little bit of money to reinvest. And often that reinvestment is into the, the playhouse infrastructure itself. And at the moment, 
We've just recently put in solar panels on the roof mm-hmm. and we've actually come off the grid. We've put a hey. battery on there as well. So the significant costs that we have are lighting, as you do with theatre, and that's in the evening. So it's not much use to us during the day <laughs> having the electricity being generated on the roof. So if we can store it and then use it in the evening, that should pretty much take us off grid. So mm-hmm. those sort of things are continually being added to as people keep doing shows and that's important for us to keep going forward. We have this impetus to, you know, we've got this lovely space for our plays and concerts and things like that and professional people to come in and Mm. do small shows whether it be musicians stand-up comedians that Mm. sort of thing and we have regular film showings progressive cinema there's white rhino who do that sort of thing as well so it's gaining a community Mm. profile that people are using it and it can only get better for it you know, we were able to raise money to, to put the money back in and there's not much we haven't got. I mean, it could always be better and we'll develop it as time goes on. But, yeah, we're very lucky. But might I say it's turned into this beautiful space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, the improvement of the deck only just recently. It, yeah, it's, it's these little <laughs> little things that... Yeah, and, you know, yeah. We, we, immediate, we knew we'd have all these problems and, you know, what happens in, in intervals when you're wanting to have a bit of a chat, a bit of a drink, and we thought, well, if, if you get a full house and there's 100 people stuck in the foyer, it's, you couldn't swing a cat. <laughs> and it was, you know, well, would it would be nice with a bullnose veranda on it? And we thought, oh, is it big enough? Is it wide enough? And it's just perfect. So those sort of things have all been added to within three years. Yeah. We've gone that far. So the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's only up from here. Absolutely. But we're very lucky that, uh, and I do want to mention this, we have a great cooperation with the Armadale School and Mm -hmm. the use of their Michael Hoskins Entertainment Centre. And uh, that's been ever since it's been open. So Mm -hmm. we're very keen and very grateful that we can share our resources that they need for their school productions and other things that they use. But we also have an agreement that we can use there for our major musicals, which (laughs) where we get more people on stage and more people involved. (laughs) It's great. Now, let's talk about programming yep so let's talk about last year well we're going to go back before we go forward (laughs) and so yeah let's talk about 2023 2023 now i'm going to stretch my memory now now (laughs) like it's not dissimilar to this year but the type of program that we had Mm. is different over the last four years since we opened the playhouse we've had a variety concert at musical hits i suppose from (laughs) past present and hopefully future shows Mm -hmm. that i've put together with bruce mingies and robin bradley and this year kate frazier has come in as well to to put it all together and have the more prominent voices that we have who mm-hmm. played leads or the up-and-coming people that we've had come forward. Last year it was called There's No Business Like Show Business and we had 18 people on stage over three nights and it was very well received and we do ensemble numbers, you know, solos, duos, trios and it also started to become a little way of showcasing up-and-coming talent as well Mm. that maybe stood out in various school productions or shows that we've actually done and uh, we feel that you know they need to give an opportunity everyone likes to perform if you're interested in the theater so um, (laughs) and you know some of these people have gone on to to do really well I mean Mm. Uh, in my era, we had a lady called Ruth Strutt, um, who many of you might know. She's gone on to work in the Australian Opera at the moment and starting to make some ground with playing minor leads and that sort of thing, and I think she's got a very bright future. She started out as Dorothy in Wizard of Oz in 2001. That's how long my go back. And we've had, you know, like Carolyn King. Um, she went on and did professionally. Lots of people have gone on and done gone on to conservatoriums of music mm. or, you know, those sort of university qualifications, which is great that you can give them that opportunity obviously they showed the potential when they're here and hopefully we've nurtured that and given them the opportunity to practice what they want to do professionally and that's great too but it's also great for people like me who just love doing it and have got other interests and other careers paths but to spend their time not at home 
<laughs> misbehaving at the theatre. <laughs> And then moving on, we had transparency. Sorry, yes, next. sorry, you, you did ask me that, and I, <laughs> I, I came to a full stop. Transparency, yes, that was directed by Mel Rumble, who has got a fair bit of experience coming from a Sydney uh, amateur theatre group. It was a fairly serious subject matter play, mm. but she did a beautiful job act- and getting a, a good, strong cast. Very serious subject matter about a young man who, who killed a child accidentally and uh, the consequences of that later in life. But it was a play that had you from the opening scene and thinking, where's this going? And there was, you know, it was a lovely little mystery within itself as to the revelations in between the characters on stage and that was well received and you know people came out well that was a great play and it took them along it's quite an emotional ride so they did very well we were you know for a, for a serious subject matter play that it was mm. then we moved on to into the woods mm-hmm. um emily waldron did that i've been trying to encourage the newer generation if i can call it that to take you know keep asking me what we're we going to do next i said well what are you going to do next and that started to come through and that was really a theme for last year that a lot of the mm. new newer people had, had started putting their hands up to direct or produce or you know to really get involved in putting on a show which is just as rewarding and Emily Waldron has been around for a few years now as a UNE alumni so we tapped into that as well which is great and we're very pleased that they do Into the Woods which we'd done in previously in 2009 a totally new cast totally different interpretation of the text and the show itself set in sort of almost like a storytelling world in a forest almost wasn't it mm. you know, but in a side storybook style of theatre I suppose It was very Treehouse vibe It was Treehouse yes yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously you were playing one of the leads I saw Stephen Sondheim as it, which is always a bit of a challenge Mm. Uh, he writes, he likes great music, but it, it can be pretty challenging for the people of the ensemble mm. and the leads. And you can't forget musical director Keyes Grenier. Oh, yep, of course, yes. And obviously he dipped his toe in the water with Les Mis the year before, but uh, oh, yes. Keyes came back. Uh, I thought we'd killed him with Les Mis, but <laughs> now he came back obviously as a fan of Stontime and, you know, gathered together a, a terrific orchestra. A lot of those were new faces as well. Mm. So the fact that we had a lot of new faces on stage that might have been in the background before as far as ensemble and that, but stepping up to play leads that hadn't had the opportunity before. There was new props people, there were new costumes, and it was a very solid production and well attended. It never becomes a blockbuster. It's not like mm. Mamma Mia or one of those sort of ones that, you know, attracts to a wider audience. But it was beautifully done and it was a credit to Emily and her cast uh, to, to stage such a lovely production. Then what do we do? You tell me. I can't remember. Then we moved on to John O'McAtee's uh, yeah, so comedy. John O uh, has been uh, busting to do something for a while and he's mm. keen to put up his hand from a late 60s comedy fast type play called Black Comedy about a blackout in in the middle of someone trying to impress an art buyer and all his friends and relatives turn up and neighbours and create merry hell, basically. Mm. So it's a silly, silly comedy farce, bump into the walls, not knowing where you're going. And again, there were a couple of new people uh, like Carmel Riley who came on because her daughter was in Les Mis mm. and now she's a fully-fledged active member. So it just needs to dip your toe in sometimes if you're really keen. Obviously, it doesn't always mean a lead role every time you apply for it. Unfortunately, we're not able to give everybody a role every time. It's just not <laughs> the way the shows work. But we're always looking for people to help out backstage, you know, volunteer anywhere, just so they can get their hand in them, we can get to know them, they get to know us, see if we fit, and then away we go. So yeah, Black Comedy was great. We had a fairly serious play at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. Into the Woods, a bit of combination of both, and then we had this just nonsense, silly farce that went down beautifully. And at the end of the year, which was an, another nice thing that we hadn't done for quite some time, is actually did a play involving a lot of younger people. Obviously, we're an adult organisation, we don't necessarily have like a children's armour or youth theatre mm. that other bigger societies do. It doesn't mean we can't. We just haven't, people haven't come forward to say, let's do that. And so that was called 
Brokenville. It was a post-apocalyptic, obviously something's happened and the world's gone to poo in a handbasket. <laughs> and these group of kids arrive with an older lady and they're scared because something's happened catastrophically and they start to form friendships and by telling stories. And mm. that was Cal Hunter's directorial debut for us. Mm. I know he'd done a few things at uni, but again, he was an alumni from UNE and a very successful one at that. We're very lucky that we can tap into that and we encourage it wherever we can. If anyone shows any interest, we're happy to have them on board. And that was great to see the younger kids from mostly high school, maybe one or two, I think, were from primary, but mm. it was great to see them take on a lead role. A short play, by all means, it was only an hour, a bit long, but to see them take on a character, they'll only stand them in good stead if, they, if they're really interested and hopefully they'll tap into the upcoming shows this year yeah, exactly. as time goes on. Yeah. So that was it for that year. It was a very successful year. We were very pleased. Mm. And this year... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we've already started. Yeah, this year's programming. Do you want to talk us through yeah, it? Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, obviously, we're deep in rehearsal about to stage our latest musical review. We've got rhythm. We've got similar people to last year who, who are our main singers, I suppose, that are available to all that we know about, plus a few extra people as well that we haven't had in the past. So we're always trying to move it around a little bit. It's not just the same old, same old. Yeah. And we're singing songs again from a variety of different shows we've done, haven't done, or about to do. And we've got rhythm obviously comes from this year's major production which is the Gershwin musical Crazy For You and it'll also have songs from Sondheim it'll have songs from Gilbert and Sullivan we've gone right back into the past with some of these or shows like Jekyll and Hyde we haven't touched before Showboat which we did in a concert version with the Armadale Symphony Orchestra not that long ago probably five or six years ago so we've really picked what our obviously their favourites of ours and hopefully we can string it together in some kind of narrative form with some reasonable choreography honestly for (laughs) me but anyway they've got some lovely new cast there and some old faithfuls and it's only on for three shows over the 16 17 and 18 of february Mm. and then we move on to appleton ladies potato race which Mm -hmm. was a a big hit for the ensemble just prior to the pandemic in Mm. 2019 i think and pretty much all since then just about every other amateur society's done it and i thought it was too good an opportunity not to bring it to armadale i think i have said to many people that you could quite cross out the appleton and put armadale show society potato race in it if you wanted to because it's such a play that people will identify yes obviously heightened and it's a great little comedy but it has a bit to say about equality and it's about a potato race that they stage at the local show every year and the men get paid a thousand dollars for prize money and the women get 200 and Mm. one of these new girls who's returned to town as a gp finds that not good enough so Mm. women need to get the same as as it is mostly nowadays and starts to campaign and the town sort of pushes back they don't like change and uh, that sort of stuff but eventually Eventually, it's, it's, it's lots of beautiful characters. There's five women. And we're deep in rehearsal with that and we'll be even deeper after this concert in a couple of weeks' time. And you're back in the directing series. I am, yes. I've been sitting on this one for a while and it's taken a while to get the uh, Society's approval to do it. But I actually love directing plays. I've done many other things, of course, but it's a chance to really sit down and dissect things and move them around the stage. And well, it'll be in the Playhouse just after Easter for two weeks and mm. seven shows only. So it's coming along very nicely. We've got a great cast, Annie Keegan, Catherine Wright, Emily Waldron, get her off the directing chair and back on stage. Lana Howlett and a newcomer, a local UNE lecturer, Gail Winter, who's in the science faculty here. And uh, she's showing great promise as a first-timer. So it's always nice to put new people on stage, particularly if they show desire and and willingness to do it. While all that is happening, we don't just have them one after the other. We don't Mm -hmm. stop one and then do the next one. Others are going on at the same time because of the rehearsal period you need to do these musicals take 14 to 15, 16 weeks. So Anita Brown, again, first-time director, is taking out Crazy For You by George and Ira Gershwin. It's basically a, a rewritten musical from the 
20s, but with all those magnificent Gershwin hits. When people hear them, they'll know them. These are standard show tunes mm. and popular tunes for jazz and all that sort of stuff that have been put into this show written by George and Ira Gershwin and Ken Ludwig who wrote it, he's a recent playwright, if those of you might listen that we did Lend Me a Tenor just before the Playhouse closed, he wrote that which is a great farce, tenor being singing tenor not ten dollars <laughs> and it needs a big cast, people behind the scenes if you go to our website www.adms.org.au there's plenty of information there and where to book an audition or mm. where to nominate your interest for backstage, helping with costumes building sets, all that sort of stuff. It really is a community effort when you do, particularly musicals. We've done quite a few over the years, or I've done quite a few over the years. And, you know, some of our biggest have had over 120 people involved in it. I mean, when we did Titanic here in 2008 in the Lazenby Hall, I mean, it's a big enough hall to fill a musical theatre anyway. But... <laughs> The size of the scope of the thing was enormous. We had 80 mm. people on stage and then 20-odd behind the stage and, you know, all of the things that went into that, that's how big it can get. I mean, it's mm. probably the biggest I've ever been involved in as far as scope and people involved. Mm. But most musicals have 60, 70 people involved in one capacity or another, whether it be musicians, people on stage, people behind the scenes, front of house. You know, we have a lot of loyal volunteers there that come back time and time again and willing to help us out and make it a good event for everybody. So that's crazy for you and that'll go on in July, just around the school holidays either side. It's only on for six performances this one, so mm. it's a big, big, jazzy style singing in the rain feel about it. It's very funny, very silly and full of great dancing. Melissa Killen's come back to do mm. some wonderful choreography as she normally does and Bruce Mingies is the musical director with Robin Bradley, both of them. Long-serving members and she'll be assistant musical director and repetiteur and a great orchestra from museos around town you know the big band style it should be very exciting I, uh, I'm looking forward to either seeing it being in it or whatever capacity <laughs> I'm needed then we go on to Mel Rumble Mel Rumble again two years in a row anyway mm. and I've forgotten this one from last time Things it? I Know to Things Be True Things I Know to Be True it was written by the guy who wrote Lantana the very well known film that I think it won AFI awards a few years ago now but the guy who wrote is just a brilliant writer and I remember reading it when we were looking at putting up shows for the year and a small ensemble cast of adult males and females it's an older family and they've all got their troubles and mum's a bit of a tyrant I suppose and dad's hard put upon early retirement is a bit sad but it's full of heart full of contemporary issues that I think will just blow people away how good it's going I'm very excited about that one too. and then at the end of the year we get into Jumpers for Goldpost Jumpers for Goldpost again Mark Bourne has come back to direct he's directed many plays for us over the years he's been away for a couple of years but we welcome him back for Jumpers for Goldpost Jumpers is actually um, not kangaroos or things like that. It's actually, you know, when you put down goalposts and you use your pullover jumper as a goalpost. In this case, it's set in an English amateur soccer, semi-professional soccer field and it's set in the actual locker room and it's got a gay theme to it but it's very funny and mm. there's lots of people coming in and out of the show and their interactions and the, their troubles in life and uh, it's very funny. It's going to be mm. a great little show and there's good good ensemble cast of male and female adults so we this year probably don't have the area for kids that we do but we do host every Monday when school terms on professional people come up from Tamworth to run school classes for mm. kids of all ages high school to primary so that's the best we offer at the moment unfortunately we'd like to offer more but it's a matter of resources and, and people willing to do it mm. but that's a great way for kids to not only access drama and theatre not only through schools but also outside of schools mm. extracurricular activities as well Absolutely. so that's our exciting year coming up and who knows what next year 
we'll bring. We'll yeah. make that decision later in the year. But, you know, we're always welcoming new people. And uh, they say, how can I come and see the ADMS? Well, obviously, we have monthly meetings, which can be a little bit daunting when you're not known to the place. But we have to have administration. We have to manage the funds that we have as carefully as possible. And then, but put on the fun stuff. That's what mm-hmm. we're all there for. We're there to do shows. And I think so far, the things are going really well. We've got a good, solid base membership that we can move forward with. And it's a busy, busy year, but it looks like it'll be very exciting. And as we come towards the end, again, if people are looking to get involved, how do they do so? Okay, well, I guess the best way to keep in contact or know what we're doing is go through our website, www.adms.org.au. And there's contact points on there should you need to. I guess come to our shows. There's always a ways of meeting people and talking to them then, particularly mm-hmm. front of house, or see what we do, see if that piques your interest or stirs some fire in your belly about wanting to do theatre. Often people have said, I wish I could have done that, or I've always wanted to do that, I might give it a try. And often it's just the little seed that you need. People jump in boots and all, and people develop as they go along, as they get more confidence, and they might start in the back row of the chorus in a musical, or just helping with the costumes, Mm. or backstage moving sets if it's required. And the next thing you know, they're on the stage, and then they're taking lead roles, and Mm. people saying, well, where did that come from? (laughs) Fire that burns inside, Mm. yeah. And as well as the website, also keep on track with the social medias as well. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm the older generation. I, I, I use it, but I always forget to mention it. Yes, we obviously have a ADMS page if you want to search for that and find it. We have regular email groups if you want to be part of that. Membership is $10 and $5 for students. Mm. I mean, and obviously you say, what do I get for that? Well, you get regular updates of what we're doing and when things are on and if you'd like to be involved, that sort of thing. So there's plenty to do. We're very busy and more people we can attract, the better the society will be. Before we close, do you want to give a quick promo for the first show of 2024, We've Got Rhythm? As I said, it's got a cast of 19 plus a small band combo. It will be hits from the show's past, present and future. And it's got ensemble numbers, solos, trios, duos. And they're all songs that you're probably well known if you like musical theatre. You'll, you'll recognise a, a fair chunk of them. Um, we've got little ship snippets from Little Shop of Horrors, Pirates of Penzance, Sunday in the Park with George. Obviously, we're showcasing a bit from Crazy For You, the upcoming mm-hmm. musical, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, what else have we got? Waitress. Waitress, yeah, which, you know, that hasn't really come to Australia yet, but uh-huh. there's a few little numbers in there that might pique people's interest when it does arrive. So a huge cross-section of musical theatre styles, uh, from rock to grand opera almost. <laughs> there's some terrific numbers and people that think, oh, I didn't know where that was from. And So, yes, um, please come. Uh, the book is wrapping now. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, at www.adms.org.au. You'll see posters around with We Got Rhythm on it. And time is running out. It'll be come and gone after next weekend. So three shows only. Be there. Beautiful. Thank Thank you you for coming and sitting with us. Pleasure, Nick. You've been listening to Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon, recorded in Tune FM Studios at the University of New England on Anawan Country. To view the latest episodes and Tune FM's other programs, visit tunefm.net or search Tune FM on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Finally, make sure you're following Tune FM on Facebook and Instagram for the latest updates on new episodes. That's it for today's episode. My name's been Nick, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>